Thank you for the great exchange on Calvary. That you exchanged your righteousness for our sin. That you, who knew not sin, became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And I thank you, Lord, that each one of us standing here today can stand before you and come before your throne of grace, holy, blameless, and above reproach. We thank you that by the spirit of adoption we can cry out, Abba, Father. We thank you that you adopted us into your family, into your household. We give you glory for what was accomplished on that cross 2,000 years ago. We thank you that the old is past and the new has come. That we stand before you as new creations. Right now, anyone who's struggling with the past, with the sin or the stain of sin, the memory of sin, the consequence of sin, Lord, we pray you free them from that right now because the price was paid, wholly paid by the blood of Jesus. We give you glory, Jesus. We thank you for each family here. We thank you for our incredible pastors. We ask that you bless and protect them. We thank you. You speak to us tonight by your Holy Spirit, that your words are truth and they are spirit and never returns void. But we know something is going to happen in each one of us tonight because your word is true. We're expectant and we thank you in advance. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. Amen. I might do a Tony Saker and um, just have a seat for the, uh, for the announcements. How are you? You good? Fist pumps from Joe. Something good must be happening over there. Welcome to church. Uh, my name's Dorian, if I haven't met you, but um, we're in for a great night. And um, who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? Yeah, amen. Just a few announcements, and I repeat them every week. So um, you've probably memorized them by now, but they are for people who might be new or haven't heard them a thousand times. So the kids' uh, room is up the back. It's for kids aged zero to four. If you need to visit them during the service, just use the door around the side. Try not to, to open this door. It just causes disruption for them and for us. There is another church service downstairs as we finish up, so just be mindful of the noise as you exit the building. We are on Wednesday nights at 7.30, so feel free to join us then. But, um, and there is an offering bucket up the back there, um, just near the door, so that um, it's probably not the most secure place if um if someone wanted to take it but uh it's there to test every single one of you as well <laughs> but thank god everyone here is has honesty and integrity and no one's run off with it with it yet but uh why don't we stand to our feet and um we're going to welcome up pastor tony as he comes to bring the word Without a microphone. Here we go. Walk by faith and not by sight. But Lord, we come to you tonight as your children. Speak to us tonight as mature, not as babes. Let us eat the meat of your word, Father. For Jesus said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. You never put anything on us that we cannot handle. You will teach us and give us the treasures of the kingdom. Your mighty grace and power, it flows through us. We come as your body, as your children. You are the head. Have your way tonight. We thank you for what you did at the cross. Thank you for your presence in here tonight. 
Without your presence, we can do nothing. Invade everyone's heart here tonight, Father. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us and makes us as white as snow. Your anointing is special. Father, we don't come as another Sunday service, but we open our hearts to you tonight and say that you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of our attention to hear what God has to say. I know you're building something special within us. And Lord, I thank you that you're the master builder. I thank you for every person here tonight, that your hand will be upon them. They'll be blessed. They'll change from the inside out. Today we move from being children to sons, from babies to mature, so we can build the kingdom of God in us and through us. And that the good name of Jesus be glorified. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Welcome. <clears throat> My name's Tony, if you don't know me. It's amazing to share the word of God with you today. And um, uh, it's, a, it's a funny one because, you know, you come every week and, and obviously there's an expectation. So you, you that come, the people that come to church, uh, we need to get out of the mindset that I'm always coming to get something from God. But not only do you come to expect to get something from God, you come to participate and give something to God. Imagine if someone would do was get, 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 and never give nothing. Everything in this world, the, the Jews have a book, and they believe it's written by Abraham, but one of the things they call it's called zimzim. It's a, it's a Hebrew word for giving and receiving. We talk about seed time, harvest time, sowing and reaping. It's all a principle. Now, I breathe in now oxygen and I breathe out carbon monoxide. Um, everything is giving and receiving. And the only thing in the world that keeps getting and doesn't, keeps receiving but never gives is the Dead Sea and nothing lives in it. The only thing in this world that receives but doesn't give. So when we participate with God, it's not a one-way street. Imagine having a friend and all you do is receive, 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 and they give, 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 and it's never reciprocal. It's not a friendship. It's an abuse. That's a two-way street. So God wants to communicate his word to us, and we are here to receive and give back to the Lord. Jesus wants to eat the fruit of what God does through our life. Amen? Amen? A good tree produces or bears good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. If I want to go and get, Uncle Eddie's dad gave me some oranges. If I want to go and get oranges off his tree, and I go to his lemon tree, and I say, this orange is a terrible, Uncle. He says, that's the wrong tree. I can't go get oranges from a lemon tree. I can't get cucumbers from a rose bush. See, sometimes we go to the wrong places to get fed, and we wonder why we're not getting what the substance that we need. Come to the mighty Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is your substance. Your Holy Spirit is your advocator. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings you into the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings Christ into you and forms Christ in you. So the Holy Spirit is God's workmanship on this earth, flowing through us. We, over the years, have used the Holy Spirit as a feeling. We use the Holy Spirit as a, as a genie in a bottle. We've used the Holy Spirit to have nice goosebumps, and, and that doesn't change your life. I can get goosebumps watching TV. I don't watch TV. I got goosebumps when Para lost. I got more than goosebumps. But feelings are good, you know, when you feelings are we don't go by our emotions, but there is an emotion that's attached to God's presence and God's love. So tonight we're going to talk about judge not. I look around the room and I think nobody here has ever judged anyone. So really, it's not a message for anyone but me. But I'm going to share it anyway. <laughs> and I love, in the, I've been ministering for years and I've been saved 20 years. I've done it, so I'm not picking on anyone. But it's funny when we talk about a situation or talk about a circumstance that happens to someone that we know or something in the church. And, that, and the first thing we say, I'm not judging, but 
It's like we put a disclaimer. It doesn't count. Now I can judge and talk and gossip, but I've put in my little disclaimer, I'm not judging without prejudice. <laughs> He'll teach you that door and he's a solicitor. But in the ultimate fact, we, we get the word judging mixed up. If I was to say to you, we go to court one day and the judge has two people and there's a dispute and the judge makes a ruling and he finds this one innocent and this person guilty. He's actually just judged them. But he's, the judgment has been the verdict of the judgment is one is innocent, one is guilty, but you still got judged. A lot of people don't know this and, you know, and, and, and we've never taught on this, but there's, in the end days when, when this is all over, there's two judgment seats in heaven. There's the judgment seat of Christ and there's the great white throne judgment. You don't want to be on the great white throne judgment. The judgment seat of Christ is where every believer stands before the Lord and gives an account of whatever he's given them and they get their reward in heaven. And the judgment, the, the great white throne judgment is where every non-believer or rejected Christ have their reward in the lake of fire for eternity. We're still going to get judged. But we've passed from the judgment of death into the judgment of life. Does that make sense? Now, sometimes we feel like we've got the right to judge everyone because we're saved. Or sometimes we feel like that God's judgment is not on us because now that we're saved and with the blood, but there's, a, there's different aspects of judgment. So if you can put up just a little, that meaning of judgment. I just looked that up. Now, judgment doesn't mean bad or good. It just means that the ability to make a considered decision or come to a sensible conclusion. There's many definitions. But judgment is to discern something, to see something, to, 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 to make a decision based on facts or based on what you see or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, uh, in the court, people bring the evidence. God makes, uh, the, the judge makes a ruling. Your kids come and they're fighting and, and you have to make a judgment on what happened. And you know everything they told you is a lie. So let's be honest. It wasn't my fault. He hit me first. But judgment doesn't always mean evil. So we're going to read this scripture here and we're going to talk about what it really means to judge. Because one of the greatest things, especially in this modern day, if I, you know, especially in the ministry, we can walk up to people in church or people that ask us for advice or people want prayer and you bring something up, oh, you're judging me. Everyone gets a tattoo, only God can judge me. Or if you bring, you hit a, a, a sore point in someone's life, the first thing they think, he's judging me. Now, some people might be. But we're going to look at this scripture because the Bible says it's very important how we build our life. Isn't it true? We're saved by grace, not by works, but Jesus saved us through his precious blood. We can't do anything to earn it. We just have to receive it by faith. But then, then the rest of the scripture is trying to teach us how to build our house. So he says, a wise builder takes my sayings and he does them. See, people can hear what Jesus says, but you've got to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And he says that now that's a wise builder who's building his house on rock. We get this all the time, and I've said it myself. I'm, I'm saved, and I'm on the rock of Jesus. Jesus is my rock. I'm being born again. Yes, that's great. And, but when I build a house, I have to start with a foundation, put up walls and that. You know the drill. If you build a car, it needs a structure. It needs a chassis. If you build a, a cubby house, you still need to have some structure in that house. So yeah, you're saved and Jesus is your rock, but what are you doing after that? What are you doing? How are you building your life? He says, he who hears my words and does them is a wise builder. But some hear his words, but they don't build. And they build on sand. And then he says, and this is interesting, he says, he says, when the rain comes, not if the rain comes, when the rains come and the floods come and the wind comes and the storm comes, you'll be able to withstand what comes against you. I have seen, I could, and it breaks my heart, I've seen in my 20 years how many believers come in, get saved, get touched, get miracles, whatever, and now they got taken out by the flood because they refused to obey the, what the will of the Lord was and build a house on a rock. We're a generation of people that are sensationalists. We like to feel a sensation. We want to see the next great event and the next great post and the next great thing. And we want to feel like we've achieved something. And the ultimate goal is that the enemy is just taking you out one by one because you refuse to build on what Jesus said. Now, I'd like to, tonight to talk to you about 
I was going to go a different way, but I want to talk to you about the good things, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I'm weak, he is strong. That's as far as I want to go. I don't want to hear things like, bless your enemy. <laughs> Pray for those who, you know, use you. Forgive those who hurt you. Turn the other cheek. And we don't like to talk about them once because they're like things that we don't really, you know, now let's just go back to, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or the works I do, you will do, and even greater than these because I go to the Father. But the power is in the scriptures that you can't understand and don't like. The power is in the scriptures that hurt you in the inside because they're challenging you to build on a foundation stronger than what the enemy can take out. And that's where Jesus is trying to get us, amen? So Joey asked me a question last week, and then all week it's been like being asked. And I said to the Lord, he goes, that's what I want you to share. So I said, praise God. So we'll share it, trying to put it in some context. So you know that, one, everything I'm going to share tonight is not applying to anyone in this room, but everything affects everybody in this room. Some things you might say, yeah, I've done that, or someone's done that to me. This is not about looking around the room. You do that, you do that, he does that. It's not about that tonight. It's about understanding what Jesus is trying to tell us. Because if we can get what he's trying to say about judgment, we can understand our house is built on the rock. We can understand the power of God to move. Because God, the devil knows how God operates. That's the funny thing. The devil and the demons know God's ways better than we do. And they know how to manipulate them. And they know the legal right they have because of what God has ordained on this earth. So we're going to go through this. Bear with me and we'll see how we go. Amen. So let's go to Matthew chapter 7. And it's a very common scripture that we use it out of context all the time. And we're going to put some clarity here. Judge not that you be not judged. For what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Let me remove, let me remove the speck from your eye and look. A plank is in your, is your, in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then we will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, nor cast your pearls before swines. Lest they trample on under their feet and turn, turn and tear you in pieces. Let's break this down as much as we can. Judge not that you not be judged. For what judgment you judge, you'll be judged. This is King James. Let me say it this way. Whatever you judge. Now we make decisions every week. We judge things every week. But this is talking specifically about a brother because he goes on to talk about the speck in his eye and the plank in your eye. He's saying that whatever measure that you measure against someone, he'll measure it back unto you. In other words, if I'm judging a brother in the Lord, this is talking about brothers in the, in, in the, in the house of God because he talks about brothers. If I judge you, I better not be found guilty of the same sin. Because whatever measure I measure against you, it'd be measured back unto me. In other words, sometimes we hate the very thing that we hate about ourselves. You hear this saying where parents always clash with certain kids, clash with dad clashes with a certain son or mom clashes with brothers or siblings. And it's usually the very thing they hate about themselves they clash with because it irritates them. And they judge the very thing that they're guilty of themselves. I remember saying to my wife in the car when before we got married, um, well, he's all laughing. I said, I wasn't... <laughs> saying um, that, remember, <laughs> we got married and we didn't have kids, but we see other people with kids. I go, man, when I have kids, I'm not letting them do what they're doing. I'm not letting them do what Rose is doing right now and interrupting my whole sermon. I'm joking, Rose, all right? You know, if, if, if Doreen knew how to raise kids better, you know, it'd be better, and I'm joking. But we do it. So, you know, when I have kids, they're not going to get addicted to PlayStation. They're not going to be on the TV all the time. And they're going to, when I want them to get in the car, they're going to get in until you have kids and that all that theory just died. Because we judge what we don't understand. We, we didn't consider, we just, because we don't, I don't have kids, but now we have kids. Then I see people, when I'm my teenagers get uh, old enough, I'm my teenagers, I'm not going to let them do this. And when they get older, they go, 
It's the very judgment I had. And I wasn't condemning anyone, but we make these silent vows and silent judgment until you have kids. And it's interesting that, and it's a little funny example, but we do this every day. But here he's talking about judging. But I love the, what he says here. He says, when you take the plank out of your own eye, then you can go up to your brother and say, you know what, you've got a speck in your own eye. Imagine if that scripture meant that you can never talk to anyone about anything as long as you're sinless. Then nobody will talk to anyone. We all got issues in our life, have we not? We all struggle, have we not? The only one that can actually judge anything to anywhere is Jesus. But here he talks about it in context. And I want to I break this down so you know. He says, the measure that you measure with will be measured back unto you. There's a story years ago, and my wife says I've shared this, but there's a lot of new faces here, so I'll share it again. A minister, a big minister back in the 70s, who was a TV evangelist in America, got done for immorality and stealing money and all that. It was a big TV ministry. And he fell, and he ended up going to jail, this guy. And what he did was wrong. No one's saying it wasn't wrong. It was wrong. But another big minister in, in America who had a big platform as well got up publicly on his stage at his crusade and condemned the guy and basically said he's the cancer to the body of Christ and this and this. Now, what he did was wrong. What he did um, hurt the body. You know, it, it, it brought shame to the body of Christ and to the church. But that minister that came up publicly said he's the, ended up getting done sleeping with, having adultery relationships outside of wedlock. He got done about a month later and he got found with the same sin. But he went public. and, and So in a, in a sense, if he stood up and said, condemn the actions, but said, but we want to restore our brother. Instead, he condemned him. And guess what? The same measure that he measured his brother with was called back unto him. And he got found out. So now he wants mercy, but he never showed him mercy. So whatever he measured was measured back unto him. Be very careful before you judge and make decisions about anything or any people before you take it to the Lord. Because whatever you point at, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Now you might say, well, hang on. That's, that's a... No, no. These are principles that the enemy will use against you. That I'm going to judge a brother. Publicly. Now we're going to talk about what it means to have the treasure, the, the treasures that um, cast the dogs and the pearls to swines. People have taught me, you know, I've heard this that don't share the treasures of God with a non believer here, they just trample on it. But hang on, the treasure of the gospel is salvation, isn't it? That the love of Jesus, that God sent his son to die for us and he came to save the sinner. He says, I didn't come for the righteous, I came for the unrighteous. So if it's talking about the treasures of God and the revelation of God, you can't say in one hand, well, that's not for you. You're not a believer. And then five minutes later, say, come out and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What have we done here? He's not saying that at all. He's saying here, if I come to a brother, especially asking ministry, Rabs and I, this is a fine line with us. But if I can come to a brother or a sister in the Lord, and I believe there's something that's in your life that's not right, and you give me the right to speak into your life, if I've come with a preconceived idea that I'm already, you're already down, I've got a judgment in my heart towards you, how do I minister to you? How do I come to you and bring healing when I've already judged you? See, the Pharisees, Jesus, if you read this in context, Matthew 7, if we can go to Luke 6, it talks about the Beatitudes, and he's speaking all these things in front of his disciples and the Jewish and the Pharisees are there. He says here in this, in this verse here, can you go to the next one, Dale? The next verse? Yeah, um, yeah keep going. Uh, it must be verse 2. It says hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? Yeah, that's the next one. I think the next one. Is it? What's a hypocrite? Can anyone tell me? Yeah, do as I say. A hypocrite is not someone that tells you to do something and then, and then he doesn't know, like he goes and doesn't, and doesn't know that. He's a hypocrite because he says one thing and does another. The Pharisees were hypocrites. I'll show you something. Let's go to Romans chapter 2, verse 17. I want to show you this and then I'll, and I'll. A hypocrite knows he's a hypocrite. 
I'm not talking about a guy who says, you know, we shouldn't be doing this, and he ends up thinning tomorrow. He fell or he did something. That's not, what he, that's not a hypocrite. A hypocrite teaches one thing or condemns one thing or shows himself to be one thing, and he does the total opposite. The Pharisees knew what they were doing. Look what he says here. This is Paul speaking to the Roman church, but they were talking to, at that time to the Jews. And look what he says here. You, you call yourself a Jew and rest on the law, and you make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of foolish of the foolish and teacher of the babes, having a form of knowledge and truth in the law. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? He's saying to these Jewish believers, you've got the law and you know what is right because you know it back to front. Some of these Jews understood the law from the age of five. We get flat out getting used to read the Bible for two minutes. They've memorized the first five books of the Bible by the age of five. By the age of 30, as a Pharisee, he knows the whole Old Testament and can repeat it. The scribes knew the law back to front, inside out. So if you had a dispute about the law, you could go see a scribe and he can tell you, yeah, mm, uh, is that breaking the law? He knew it. And yet these people understood the truth of the law. The law is holy. And yet he says, now you two tell people not to steal. Do you steal? Do you, do you say do not commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You abhor idols, do you rob temples? You make your boast in the Lord, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. It's a very powerful part of Scripture here. That they knew the law, they taught the law, but they did the opposite of the law. Could we say that about ourselves? Could we say that we know what's right and we teach what's right, but we do the opposite? Newsflash parents, don't expect your kids to do what you want them to do if they see you doing the opposite. I saw this one day in a cafe. Get off your phones! I told you, I'll take it off you. Oh, my God, why don't you just socialize? I want to slap the lady. Fig of tree, not really. No, cut, 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 cut. It's like monkey see, monkey do. It's funny that we judge the very thing that we get caught up in. But in this context, he's saying in Romans, he says, you know what's right, but you fail to do it. In other words, the Gentiles, which are considered dogs and swines, are blaspheming God's name because they're looking at you and say, look what they teach, but look what they do. What did Jesus say? Do what they say, but don't do what they do. Come on, somebody. I never want to be a hypocrite on purpose. Fast and pray, and I'm watching the footy. Doesn't matter about what paramount... No, See, that's the work of the flesh that God's purging out of us. God wants us to enjoy the things of life. Don't get me wrong. But it's very easy to judge a brother and sister. Is your heart... Listen, let me ask you a question. You're not in the sin that someone's in. And they fall. Do you get pleasure out of that? Because some people do. See? Look what happened to them. If they only... But hang on. Our job is to restore them and reconcile people back to, the, to Christ, aren't we? See, if the church can't be a place, a hospital for the sick, then what are we? A, what, a country club that just has a membership? But the, the truth is the other side. You can't go live with the devil 24-7 and come back and cry to us and say, God's not in my life. I go, hang on, what are you building your house on? Because the Bible says you build your house. See, it's not my job to build your house. It's not my job to, 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 to lay a foundation. I'm here to teach you the will of the Father. My job is to build my house and my family and build the body of Christ. But it's your job to take what Jesus says and put it into practice. Otherwise, because guess what, guys? Storm's coming. This fallacy that we've been taught in the body of Christ that once you come to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Sorry, it's not. It's going to be okay in the sense that I'm in his arms and he loves me and he's shared the kingdom of God with me. But Jesus expects people to rise up from babes into mature adults. 
See, don't come point the finger at God says, where's God in my life when you've spent most of your time building for the devil? And then he comes and wipes you out. See, it's very easy for me to judge a brother and a sister. Even people in the world, it's not our job. Our job is to judge ourselves. See, the first place you should judge is yourself. It's, it's, it's amazing. Look, <laughs> there's a story of this, and I'll sh I shared this with my wife. This lady, she was a, a prophetic lady. She walked in the prophetic for a long time. She was a bit a lot older. And she goes, I wrote, she wrote this little book. Her name, I can't remember her name. Anyway, she was English. And at the time, they were in a church where her mentor was a prophetic guy, very similar to a rabbi's calling in the prophetic. And they were training under him. And in, in England at the time, they had, the home churches were very big in England. So the church had the home churches. And they, were, they weren't Bible studies, they were churches in homes. And one guy ran nine of them for this ministry. And they were invited to speak. Their, their mentor was invited to speak in this church group. So he was already there. And this lady came with her friend from, from their group to go and listen to the sermon. She knocks on the door. And the guy that opened the door was the, one, the leader of the group. The minute this guy opens the door, she had a word of knowledge from the Lord saying, this guy is committing adultery with people in the whole church. And she got shocked. She looked at her friend and her friend was like wide open. So they walk in, he invites them in, they sit down. Now this gentleman sitting down with their mentor, having a cup of tea before the service, laughing and, and just having a fellowship. And they're sitting there doing this and they go, do you know what the Lord just showed me? And she goes, the Lord just showed me that he's committing adultery. Two of them got the same word. So they're sitting there like this and now they're judging not only the guy, but they're judging their mentor because how can you be sitting there laughing with him, drinking coffee with him, drinking tea with him? Doesn't he know what, what the Lord showed us? Maybe he's a fraud. All these thoughts start coming. Well, what's he? How can he sit down? We, uh, and all these thoughts. And all of a sudden, uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes into this, they're sitting there whispering to each other. All of a sudden, their pastor or their mentor stands up and looks at the guy. One minute he was laughing, drinking, and he looks at him and points his finger and says, Sir, the Lord's warned you many times, and now this is your last warning. If you don't stop what you're doing, God's going to rip this off you, and you're going to be you're going to be judged for what you do. Didn't expose him, but told him. The guy got up and walked out and never came back. And found out later he had been having affairs throughout the whole church. This was the model Christian. This is the guy that ran all the Bible study groups. He was an amazing man of God, but this is the, there was a fault in his life. And then this minister ministered him and sat down like nothing had happened and they left. Well, this lady is telling the story, turns around and she's praying and said, Lord, what happened that night? Like, and the Lord says, I couldn't use you to minister to him because you already had judged him in your heart. And you judged your mentor. So her, this, she got a word from the Lord that was true, but then guess what? Her judgment, her opinion, her way of doing things got involved, and guess what happens? She, gets, she blocks God's grace, and God can't use her, so he uses her mentor, who only spoke when God told him to speak. Because what they did, they threw pearls to swines. You see, the pearls to swines is, a, is giving what's precious, forgiveness, and the grace and mercy of God, and exposing a believer to someone so you can let the enemy come at that person and come at you. We don't throw what's special to the dogs. We don't throw what's special. In other words, our heart, he, and I can speak on behalf of Rabs, I could write a book on the, some of the stuff that people have confessed to us and people have done to and I could look at it and I think it could drive you mad about the rubbish that we've heard. But our heart always has to stay at the cross of Calvary to bring you into wholeness to the kingdom of God. So I'm allowed to come and sit with you and bring a judgment, a discernment, not judgment to hell. But look, let's go. I want to share this. People, people have taught me this, that judgment, that what he's talking about here is condemnation. That's not. Okay. We just learned that I can judge something, then I have to make a decision about that judgment. True? Let's go to Luke chapter 6 and verse. I want to clarify this because if you can get this, it will set you free because you don't want whatever you judge to come back to you. Kids do it to their parents. Parents do it about their in-laws. In -laws and it's a formula that we use and the devil loves it. Why? I'm not like them. And the minute you say, I'm not like them, you've got a judgment against them, guess what? The enemies, the radar, radar on you, waiting for you to do something so you can receive the very measure that you have measured on someone else. 
Luke 6, 37. Same scripture, but look what it says. Judge not. And you shall not be judged. Now look at this. Condemn not. You shall not be condemned. Forgive and it will be forgiven to you. Give and it will be given to you with good measure, pressed down, shaken together and runneth over. Will you be put into the, your bosom? For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back unto you. Can I explain that to you? The verse before that where it says give. I've heard this in the church all my life about tithing and offerings and that. If you give, he'll give it back to you, the Lord, pressed down and shaken. Where do you see anywhere in that scripture that that's about money? That's about judge not, don't condemn, now give forgiveness. Now, with that comes, um, I heard a story about two ministers and one didn't like the other minister because of the call of God on his life. So he said, you know what? I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to turn the other cheek. And that way I'll bless him, but I'll get blessed so that I've got no measure of judgment. And the guy got worse. Attacked him. Attacked him. And the Lord says to him, what are you doing? He says, I'm doing what you said. I'm not judging. I'm not condemning. And then leave me alone. He says, no, no, no. He says, don't take my words out of context. See, you want to be left alone by keeping a principle, but that does not what it's saying. And, he, and, he, and the Lord walked him through it. He said, what do you want me to do, Lord? He says, go make an offering to his church. He says, what? He's talking about me. He's backstabbing me. He's hurting me. He's lying about me. He goes, I don't care. Give forgiveness and show me what you, show me your forgiveness and sow an offering into his church. So he did. Apparently the word got round he has given him First time, second time, third time. Whatever the Lord put on his heart, he'd give him an offering. Finally, the war broke down so bad that this guy came and repented because his only reason for hating him was because he was moving in the spirit more than him and his church was growing bigger than him and he wondered why. And he goes, the enemy got into his head and he thought, and by him not judging him for doing that, and not condemning him to anyone for doing that. And he forgave him. And then he, then he started to pull. But the clincher was when he started to obey Christ and give him an offering, whether it was $1 or a million dollars, it doesn't matter. It was that his heart was, I'm not doing this just to keep him away from me. I'm doing this so he can bring salvation to him. Do you remember Stephen getting stoned? Remember that one? Well, the Bible says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As Stephen's getting stoned, what does he do? The Bible says that the men that were stoning Stephen took their robes off. And the stones weren't little stones. They were boulders. And they're stoning him. And the people that took their robes off put them at the feet of a man named Saul. Saul ends up being Paul. Now, Paul ordered the murder. So the first murder, first martyr that we recorded in the Scripture was Stephen. The man named Paul, Saul, who becomes Paul, is the one that orders the murder. And then they're throwing rocks at him, stones at him, boulders at him. And he looks up and he sees the Son of Man standing and he says, Father, do not hold this sin against them. What happens not long after that? The apostle Paul, as we know today, was on the road of Damascus. He gets touched. And the Bible says that, and this is, you know, it's interesting. Let me hear you. If you can, listen to me, if you can get a hold of this, get Get rid of judgment. Get rid of condemnation. It's hard sometimes when someone's hurt you and betrayed you. That's why it's a supernatural effort from the Holy Spirit. But do not, listen to me, do not. I've been sitting with people, ministering to people, and you bring God's grace, they've been hurt. What's happened to them is horrific. And after two hours of ministry, the minute we finish, they go back to the story. They haven't received a thing. But you need God's grace in this area. But this man now, Paul, Saul, He's ordering and he thinks he's doing God a favor by arresting everybody. Guess what happens? Stephen says, I see the man standing. He sees the Son of Man standing. The Bible says Jesus is seated in heavenly places. Jesus is the right hand of majesty, seated, seated, seated throughout Scripture, meaning it's rest time for him. He went to the cross and paid the price. But when he sees faith arise, especially when it comes to forgiveness, he stood up and says, look, that's my son. And he takes his words. And what does he do? That Jesus that stood off that chair ends up coming down to hit Paul on the road of Damascus. And guess what? Now we've got the greatest apostle that ever lived. All because of one man that used the principles of God 
under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Are you getting this? Be very careful when you judge another brother, even if in their error. See, I often say, before you can go up to them, pray for them. Before, are you willing, and if you're really serious about fixing a brother and sister who's off the rails, fast for them. Show God that you actually mean it, or you're just trying to expose the nakedness so you can get brownie points that I'm not like them. Church is full of that. The church world is the only place that shoot their wounded. Just recently, someone big around, you know, come out in the media. We don't know what the truth is, but whatever it is. And there wasn't a shortage of an opinion on this man. Instead of praying for him. He might be guilty, I don't know. See, we're quick to judge one another and the judgment's not out. See, the judgment here he's talking about is not a judgment to condemn you. But if I, if the Lord leads me to talk to you and or, or Rabs or even one another, I mean, imagine a kid going up to his parents and the parent says to him, look, you're being naughty today. He goes, don't judge me. Only God can judge me. They don't have to repent for bashing him. But see how the world's twisted judgment? See how the world's twisted love? But see, the Pharisees twisted it as well. Can you honestly believe that a father and a mother judges their kid? It's not judgment. I love, and the same measure. Who here wants mercy from God? Put your hand up. The ones that didn't put their hand up come up here and get saved. We all want God's mercy. We're all going to mess up and we're all going to fall. And we want that grace of God. But the same measure that I give you, it'll be measured back unto me. Now, I don't put up with foolishness and I don't put up with someone in this church causing strife. No, you're going to get opposed. And if not, if you don't come and submit, then you're going to have to find somewhere else. Because I'm not letting one person destroy anybody in this church, just like that man was. But you're going to see the mercy of God if you repent. Were you scared of telling someone that they're wrong? But see, before you point your finger at someone else, do you know their background? Do you know what they've been through? I often say most people that get born again start on zero. But there's some people that are minus thousand because you don't know their upbringing. See, there's a minister that, I'm using ministers here because I like the stories because these guys know the truth. This is what he's talking about here. He's talking about mature believers. And there's a lot of you people here are mature. You're growing in maturity. You have to be because God's given you these, you know, you've got families and you've got kids and you've got brothers and Listen to me, this minister was walking through a street and he saw this homeless man holding a sign saying, Jesus loved you. He looks at him and he goes, look at this guy. He's like, a, he, must, he must think he's the Elijah to come. Because there was a movement in America where everyone thought they were the Elijah to come before the second coming of Christ. He's holding a sign, Jesus loved you. Homeless, dirty. Well, this guy had a heavenly vision and the Lord shows him a man. And it's a long story, but the Lord shows him a man. He goes, you know that man? He goes, no. He goes, yeah, you know that man. He looks at this man. He's got a robe on him. It glittered and a crown on his head. Doesn't know him. And then the Lord shows him a vision of that man was the homeless man who had the sign that he walked past and judged. Now this man, the, the preacher, was going from one conference to another conference, running food banks and that. And he, and he did, he, in, the, in the vision, in the story, he says, yeah, I remember that time. He says, he's a martyr for me. He goes, martyr? He's in New York. How did he get martyred? He said, well, he got saved. But because of who he was and what he looked like, no church would let him in the door. Yeah, he would have taught the church about love. But he, no one would accept him because he was dirty and grubby and no one would give him the time of day. So he sat on the street and preached. And one day, the snow's in, in, in New York. It's below zero. And his friend, who's a homeless guy, got drunk. And he passed out and he couldn't wake him. So what he did, he laid on him and covered him to keep him warm and he died. He got hypothermia and died. And the Lord says, he was martyred for me. He goes, he martyred for you. He, goes, he gave his life for another. And now he wears a crown. He never preached a sermon to anyone, this guy. Never went to a crusade, never did anything. All he did was give his life for another. He says, and then he says to him, who are these two men? And he's just getting convicted, this guy. He goes, you have all my love. You grew raised in a Christian family. You got given good schooling. You got all these things in your life and you grew up and you became a minister and you fed the poor and fed the homeless and this and that. And you received 100% of my love. And this man, this man that 
ended up on the street that you judged. He was locked in a, in a basement in the dark for many days. His parents used to lock him in the basement. The guy got tortured, abused. But when he grew up, he was deformed and, 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 and ended up in the street on drugs and alcoholic. And then when he got touched by the Lord, he got saved. He goes, he only had 1% of my love. You had 100% of my love and you walk in 70% and he walks in 100%. We judge very easily by what we see. Other judgments that we better be careful is, I want to be like that family. Oh, I want to, I wish my husband was like him. Or I wish my wife was like him. Or it's the greatest danger you could ever do because you block the blessings of God because you're saying to God, you know better. Look at this. Let's go back to Matthew. Is this making sense? Let's go to Matthew 7.28. Is it on there? Amen. Is it on there? Yeah. Now, this is Matthew 7, 28. And I was going to read 7, 24, which talks about building your house as a wise builder. We just mentioned that. So Matthew 7 talks about judge not the pearls. We're going to get back to that in a minute. But what got me today was, who is he talking to about all this? He's talking to his disciples, talking to us. And he was talking to the in front of the Pharisees. Now look at this. And it was when Jesus has, had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught with one with authority, not as the scribes. And I, that hit me today. He taught with one of authority. He's just, if you go look at what he said, don't worry, don't fear. Don't call me Lord and not, you know. He went through the whole range of things. And they said, this guy who's teaching these things, man, where did he come from? Because he's not like our people. Because they understood that their people were using him and abusing him. They were sheep without a shepherd when Jesus said it. And they knew it. Yet Jesus comes and he's saying, be careful how you judge, talking about leadership. And he's be careful how you judge, talking about the sheep, people. Because the very thing you do not want to do is get on the devil's radar. You don't need to have a fight with a devil for what you have sowed. You don't want to get on to that place when your heart does not want to forgive and, and you have a hatred to certain. You don't want to get in the place where everything you do, because you know all it's going to do is hurt you. I often say that, that judgment turns into condemnation, turns into unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is you drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Or another analogy, unforgiveness is you putting someone in jail and you've got the keys and you're watching them 24-7 just in case they get out. It's to free you. It's to set you free. It's not for them. But in the, in, in the Word of God is a double-edged sword, isn't it? So there's twofold here. The fold is you forgive. He goes, how can you forgive me? And I've hurt them. You know when you've hurt someone. That's, that's, we can justify it as much as we want. But we as believers, as Christ, if we want to build on a solid foundation, because if you have an issue with offense all the time, or you have an issue with judgment all the time, guess what the enemy's doing? He's sending you all these things that you can judge, so you can be offended. And every day someone's got an issue, we've got a problem. And you think your house is on sand. And where's the peace in that? Where is the peace in saying that Jesus forgave me, but I'm not willing to forgive anyone else? Some things, Tony, cannot be forgiven. Like what? Isn't it funny that the Pharisees were upset with the woman that was washing Jesus' feet? Because if she knew what type of a girl she is, because women couldn't get anywhere near men in that culture, especially her, and she's touching his feet. He looked at him and says, if you only knew what this woman's been through. In other sense, if you only knew what, who has been forgiven much, loves much. He's saying... Your judgment is condemnation to that woman. My judgment is that she's a dirty, rotten sinner, but guess what? She has received my grace, and guess what? And with the abundance of grace that she received from me, she's willing to wash my feet. You're not willing to give me a cup of water. Are we that person? See, we've got to understand our heart is for the Lord, for the people. See, God's not building people. See, God can't send another thousand people into this church until we understand that principle because we will destroy those people. God is in control of everything, amen? 
He wants to build us in the right way. You're going to get annoyed. You're going to get iron, iron sharpens iron. The quickest way to see how much love you got, sit next to someone you don't love. Go for a position in a job and you don't get it. Go for a position and see where your heart is, truly. Truly. In anything in life. Because the minute you say, I won't be like that because they're like that, guess what? It comes knocking on your door. It's, I'm not telling lies here, am I? This is the truth. How many times have you said in your life, I won't be like that, and you ended up like that? How many times have you said, I won't do that, and you end up doing that? How many times have we said, oh, I'm going to, that's it? And then, why? Because we're using our own will instead of saying, Father, help me in this situation. Why does that person irritate me so much? Why is this thing happening? Why did that annoy me? Because I'll tell you now, I'll tell you now, people judge the very thing that they want to, I had this guy say once, oh, that guy's doing this, and that guy's doing that, and that guy's doing this, and I stop and say, man, you know why you're upset? Because you want to do that, but you can't. You want to actually do what he's doing. You're married now, and you think your marriage is bondage, and he's just sat there like this, again. and you want to do what he's doing, so you're condemning the very thing he's doing, because that's where you really want to be. He said, how did you know? I said, stop it. People say to their kids, I don't want my kids to end up like that. So why are you planting the seed for that? I said it. I'll never be like this and I'll never be like him. I'll never be like my dad. I'll never be like my mom. I'll never be like... I said it. And when the push comes to solve, you end up looking. Because you know what? I only do what I see my father do. What did Jesus say? But see, well, that's why Jesus said, do not call anyone Father. Why? Because he's trying to renew our mind, our spirit, our heart to him so I can walk like him. Someone said to me once, Christian, some things cannot be forgiven. I said, yeah, tell that to Jesus on the cross when they were, he's looked down upon the very people that killed him and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I know some people have been hurt and I know some people have been betrayed. I don't know, people that they trusted have hurt them. It's even worse. It's one thing that someone hurts you, talks about you. It's harder when it's so close to home. But Jesus understands that. The ones he shared bread with betrayed him. The one he spoke and gave his life to, opened up his whole world and never left the thing, ran off on him. One of his best mates denied him. He understands the betrayal. But I'm telling you something now. If he's done allow Jesus to wash your feet like he washed the betrayal off their feet, you will walk in that condemnation for the rest of your life. And Jesus didn't set us free so we could keep looking back. Jesus set us free so you can set the next one free and the next one free. Amen? Come on, is someone hearing me tonight? I know it's Sunday and I know you want to go eat, but let me finish up. 